Welcome to the Seeing Beauty Sessions podcast. I'm your host, Lori Marie. Seeing Beauty Sessions is about stories of how women have turned their pain into purpose. Hey guys, Jeannie Collins with us today and I'm so excited to share her journey with you. She has been so generous to give you something special for all of you listening, but you gotta listen on through to the end to get the goods. Welcome to Seeing Beauty Sessions. I'm your host, Lori Marie, and today I'm with Jeannie Queenie. Jeannie Cullen is a beautiful soul I met at a Claim Your Power workshop. I don't know, what was that, two years ago? now two years three years I don't know 25 years ago I don't know I feel like I've known Jeannie probably about three years ago I feel like I've known Jeannie for a lifetime Jeannie welcome to seeing beauty sessions oh my gosh thank you so much so excited to be here yes I think it was about three years ago and I think it was either the first or second day right away yes there's just I felt like little magnets and it was just like <laughs> and you're <laughs> magnetically drawn to each other and we've been friends since and Jeannie um, is in LA so every time I'm out there and when I was living there we would try to get together as much as possible and um, I'm just so excited to have you on the show today and thank you for saying yes and for being here and um, I would love to just kind of dive on in so Jeannie um, tell the people what you do and then we'll go to like how you got here yeah so right now i'm a breathwork expert so i teach breathwork and i teach classes and i teach one-on-one privates and i teach small groups and everything breathwork and i'm also a health coach but i specialize mostly with people dealing with over with anxiety and overwhelm and not realizing it with myself, but realizing how much I was really, really passionate about nutrition and what you're eating. And I still am, but I really made this huge pivot and super deep dive into the stress and how I really resisted. Oh, I wasn't really that stressed and it's not really affecting my health. Now I'm shouting it from the rooftops, how much stress affects us and how much I was in denial about how much it was affecting me. So yeah, specializing with people who are having symptoms, physical symptoms and really the root cause of stress. And that ties in perfectly with breath work because that's what we're doing is calming the body all the way down. Beautiful. So for anybody listening, um, cause I think some people may not be familiar with breath work. Like, can you tell us what breath work is? Yeah, sure. So breath work is kind of this umbrella term. My mentor kind of says it's like there's different forms of yoga, there's different forms of meditation. So I like to explain. So some people have heard of breath work and sometimes it's used. People think they've done breath work. Oh, I've done it in my yoga class. So it's a three-step, it's a three-step process. And yeah, people do use it in their yoga classes. Like, oh, I did breath work. And then they come to my class and they say, oh wait, no, 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 I've never done breath work like that. So the breath work that I'm talking about, and there's different styles of breath work. So Wim Hof has his very uh, systematic with the cold. And there's holotropic breath work, which is a whole day and it's very specialized. So the breath work that I do, I think is the best, obviously, but for many reasons, it's a three-part breath, but you can do it 
anywhere. You can do it at home by yourself. You can do it with a coach with me, but it only takes about 30 minutes. I mean, you could do a shorter version. It's a three-step process. And yeah, it's two inhales and an exhale. And the goal, so you're lying on your back when you do it. And it's not just like a part of a yoga class where you're doing a couple of breaths or something. This is very specialized. It's very focused. You're not doing this when you're driving or anything. You're on the floor, three-step process, and it's active meditation. So it's work. And that's why they call it breath work. <laughs> we say it's breath work. <laughs> and you're getting into your sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight, because you're actually working your body. It's similar to going to the gym, right? I don't love going to the gym. I know a lot of people don't like to, but we like how it feels after. And that's because you're getting into your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest. So through this three-part breath, two inhales and an exhale, you're really changing the pH in your body. You're changing the carbon dioxide and oxygen ratio in your body, less carbon dioxide, more oxygen, which creates more pH in the body. And have you seen, especially in LA or Lumerie, right? Like everything is alkaline water and all these alkaline <laughs> things, right? That's what yeah. we want. So that's what breath work is doing. And the breath is so powerful. So alkalining the body, they say that an acidic body is where disease comes from and really is, is bad on the body. So some people think meat is very acidic. Certain foods are acidic for the body, all this inflammation. Yeah. So in this very short period of time, I mean, it's not instant gratification in terms of five, 10 minutes, but people who take my class or work with me, it is pretty instant. One hour, guaranteed you'll feel better after than when you started with me. So yeah, by doing this, we're calming the, like calming the whole body. Like basically what we're doing is we're stimulating the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is connected to the whole body, like how everything is interconnected, right? So if you stimulate the vagus nerve, the whole body relaxes. The blood pressure, your heart rate, this deep, deep breathing with your diaphragm, diaphragmatic breathing, that, diaph sorry, diaphragmatic breathing, that is where it's at. That controls the body. So yeah, so we stop adrenaline and cortisol from coming and all these hormones. And then we pump out the good hormones like oxytocin and the feel good ones. So like people are like, get high on your own supply. That's what Wim Hof says. So you can naturally feel like you're high on your own body, your own chemicals. And it's not needing something to put in your body to numb it out. And we talk a lot in my class about, yes, what do you do with these emotions? And that's a huge thing for me is all these emotions in our body. It's sort of like acupuncture through the chi and moving the meridians. That's the biggest thing is we're letting these emotions flow out of our body that need to be released. Okay, so breath work. Um, I actually myself, I was one of Jeannie's first practice. I was her very first one, guinea pig. Very first, very <laughs> yeah. first, very first. And I can say it was a really powerful experience. And I, um, I myself had a lot of visuals. I had a lot of release. I had a lot of uh, emotions come up and come through me. Um, so it was a very powerful experience for me and, um, I would definitely recommend it. And Jeannie's so great at guiding you through that process and providing a safe space where you can, uh, feel safe to do that. So if you're in the LA area, definitely go like check out 
Jamie and like do a class with her. It's awesome. Like I can't wait till the next time I can come and, and be with you for many reasons, but <laughs> to take a breathwork yeah. class too. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of get into like, because I know, like, I know your story and I know some of the journey that you've been on and how you got here, but let's break it down for people who don't know your story. So what was, what brought you here? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Well, I've definitely been on a very long and up and down health journey and through my own journey and everything that I went through, when you're in it, you can't believe that you can need any more lessons, right? Or you haven't gotten all the messages, but yes, this 16 year journey that I've been on with my physical health and mental health has brought me to where I am. So at age 26, I started having all these health issues and yeah, 16 years of mystery illness and mystery symptoms and chronic inflammation and chronic fatigue and the toughest one for me was the chronic pain because mm. I'm sensitive, it hurts. And I would see, and I live in LA, so we have great doctors and there's an abundance of doctors. And so it was just this crazy frustration, this hamster wheel of seeing doctors and different doctors have different opinions and trying different medicines. And maybe after five years or so, I started with the more alternative route, which was good, but that's very, um, that can be a hamster wheel too, because then it's the chiropractor once a week, and then it's acupuncture three times a week, and then, oh, but you have to try it for two months before you know if it's working. So then that comes in with the exhaustion and the overwhelm and then the fatigue, and I'm working full-time. So I was working full-time as a teacher for 18, over 18 and a half years. I just quit my job <laughs> this summer, is a big step so I'm going full steam into this yeah so Woo! <laughs> yeah huge 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 and on this journey I definitely learned about my diet and I did learn about meditation and and stress and yoga but I didn't fully dive deep into it and I think the, a big thing for me too is I gave way too much power to doctors and healers and didn't take enough for myself, right? And it's it's pretty common in, in America, the doctors in the white coats, they seem to know everything and what they say and what they're, oh, this is what you have, or this is what you don't have, we take that in, right? And then labels too. So another thing that was really hard is like I said, getting all these different opinions of this doctor wants you to do this treatment. And it's not just the appointments. I mean, it was, there'd be weeks where I would be all the time in appointments, working full time, and then the money cost was so stressful because I'm paying for these appointments and these lab tests and these really expensive treatments. Even a few years ago, I started seeing functional medicine doctors and that really is what I encourage and it is looking at medicine a different way. But the first two doctors that I saw weren't a match and it was very expensive and they do different testing and the most none of it is covered with insurance. So it's really confusing and I had a diagnosis um, they diagnosed me with fibromyalgia years ago and turns out I don't have it. And so that was, and even when I got diagnosed, I really didn't like the label and I didn't like the way this doctor talked to me. One doctor in particular, if I said that I wasn't sleeping well, or if I had symptoms, well, that's what you have fibromyalgia, pretty much get used to it. And, and other doctors were, oh, well, you're small, you're kind of thin, you don't have muscles, you don't have any strength. 
that's heartbreaking when you're in a vulnerable place. You can look back. I can look back at it now. Oh, I shouldn't let that bother me. But when you're overwhelmed and in a very vulnerable state, yeah, what people say, it matters. And so I think a well, big thing is, Right. And well, and coming from someone who you're looking to for help and who, you know, you're deeming as almost like up or on a, on a pedestal, right. They know better than me, right. To have them say like, Oh, you're weak or that this is what you have. Just deal with it. Like that had to have been incredibly like disheartening. And like, like, how did you, how did you, learn to trust yourself through that because we do believe so often that doctors know best right yeah well i did get better through the process of trusting my intuition and even though this is the best fibromyalgia doctor in la but i don't like him and he doesn't he's not nice to me and i said oh well you have this and i mean I was actually grateful to get a diagnosis because for years and years and years, then I just felt shame and I felt really sad that no one knew what was wrong with me. So then I just felt like a freak and I felt what is wrong with me and I don't know what's wrong with me. And medical medium talks about that. And I actually did have a session with him too, but yeah, it's super disempowering. And that's why I've also now that I'm health coaching with the breath work, that's one of the big super messages of breath work. And especially, I'm not a healer. I know a lot of times you see, like, I'm not healing you. It really is. I'm coaching you through it and I'm guiding you through it, but it really is about accessing your own power. So yeah, all these twists and turns and, and really learning about the mind-body connection and realizing how much stress is contributing. It is. It's, oh my gosh, I just want to scream it from the rooftops. And learning that I was suppressing a lot of my emotions. That was huge for me with breath work, suppressing, repressing emotions and trauma. And I was sort of raised in this society because I've been doing this personal growth for a long time. That trauma, big T trauma is big stuff. Um, What you'd think of as big trauma, right? Unfortunately, violence or abuse or things in the house that was big trauma. And so fortunately, I didn't go through that. But we tend to neglect all these little things all these small traumas and just emotions that we weren't as a kid able to process and understand it. So we pushed it all down. And I wasn't good at feeling my feelings, very uncomfortable with that whole process. And I've come to find out, so is a lot of people. We all are, a lot of us. No one teaches you and I, look at I was a high school teacher. I never talked about emotions, feelings, because it wasn't comfortable. So now I can do that. But yeah, the emotions, that's so important. And, and now with the, the pain that I used to have, I've come to a more, a really awesome way of understanding the mind-body connection. And I don't have any pain anymore. And it's fabulous. And I'm not going to say I never will, but that is so empowering. And when you can go back and tell your rheumatologist, I don't have that. And this doctor, you were wrong. That feels really good. <laughs> feels really good. I don't know, like, I'm actually sure. Better. But just to cancel those appointments and know I don't need it. And the other thing too is I even my chiropractor who's very holistic and has helped me in so much. And he was the one who, Jean, you don't have a fibromyalgia. If you had fibromyalgia, you wouldn't be getting better with chiropractor treatments. And when someone really believes in you, but then I definitely felt very scared to not be going to see him regularly, right? Because he quote unquote cured me or helped me. So even that was a huge transition where I haven't gone to the chiropractor in months. 
and I don't need so to did it, rely did it, on people. Did it feel like um, at some point like a dependency, like, oh, I yeah. need this person in order for me to feel good? Yeah, like he's the only one who can do it. I can never right. leave LA. <laughs> Who's going to help me? <laughs> right. I, that's okay. I live here. I mean, even with traveling, if I travel for a week and something happens, I don't have my people. Right. Um, right. So um, I want to go back a little bit um, because I feel like there's a lot to unpack here. So, okay. So you said you started feeling ill around 26. Did you experience any of this kind of, um, any of these issues like through childhood or anything like illness, like things like that? None of, none of that, just like around no, 26? Really 20s, maybe the end, 19, 20, 21, I was getting stress fractures and I was getting shin splints and a lot of these things that athletes were getting. And mm -hmm. I was not an athlete. I was going to the gym. Do you remember step aerobics where they have oh, yeah. that step thing, that stupid step and you're pounding? Yeah. And so they'd look at my, I remember one time I had stress fractures and I thought I was an athlete and, oh, you must be working really, really hard. And I, a couple times, and I was going a couple times at the gym. So it didn't really make sense. So I kind of had that, yeah, maybe 18 to 26, a little bit. So I was going to, so I'd seen four different physical therapists, but nothing really, really major. So when I think when I got my first flare up, oh, it was that, or I was working too hard, but it never really made sense. I'm the queen of things don't make sense. And <laughs> that's what I had to grow into and love. And I'm very, I have a very sensitive, this is what I used to say. I used to say I'm very sensitive. And with one of my coaches, it, it was, oh, I have a very sensitive nervous system. <laughs> yeah. My nervous system that's sensitive and my physical body, I used to say is very sensitive. And now it's my nervous system because the nervous system affects the physical body and the symptoms. Specifically, I want to talk about like how, what it's like to have invisible pain, right? Because if someone has cancer or if someone has, you know, they've lost their limb or something, it's very apparent that, oh, they've experienced some sort of pain or some sort of trauma. But I think there's this almost like kind of like a dismissal of invisible pain. Can you talk or speak to that? And like, what was that like for you? Yeah, definitely. That was a big, big thing for me because I was sort of chasing illnesses and getting referrals and going to different doctors and not getting any diagnosis. So then there was very much shame. I felt a lot mm -hmm. of shame because I didn't know what was wrong with me. So if I told people that this was going, well, what's wrong? I don't know. Oh, and then I, I knew I wasn't making it up, but I sort of felt judged by people or, oh, I... I don't know. I didn't feel like I wanted attention, but really what is wrong with her? What, because like you said, I, on the outside, I looked good. I didn't have anything that looked weird. I mean, I remember my energy was, I mean, I felt I looked horrible, but it wasn't so obvious. And medical medium was definitely Anthony Williams, one of the first people who acknowledged it. And it took me a long time, like I said, to kind of acknowledge it. And people are talking about it more now with social media that there is so much. I mean, I just kind of thought, okay, sometimes in a bad mood. And then that was my fault. For, I shouldn't be in a bad mood. I shouldn't, because I didn't understand my emotions. So then I would judge myself. Oh, I'm in a bad mood because I'm in pain. No, I'm really mm -hmm. sad and I'm really struggling. And depression and anxiety 
are very common with chronic illness, chronic disease. And instead of giving myself grace or understanding, I mean, I had a lot of negative self-talk and the way I talked to myself about I should be getting over this faster. And again, what's wrong with me? And I'm in a mood and I can't be in a mood. And then I'm working full time. I mean, I'm as a teacher, so I had summers off. And But a lot of times I'm going into school, all this is covered up. This is just shoved down into my body, mm-hmm. not feeling it. So it was this cycle and it just didn't feel authentic because I was in a lot of pain. And then it would be guilt and shame if I had to, I definitely had to leave early for appointments. And sometimes I would take time off if I wasn't feeling well. And why am I not strong enough? And if I tell people, oh, you're so young, what's going on with you? I don't know. And feeling guilty because I'm taking off work. No one else my age is taking off work this much. And what the heck? Oh, there's nothing even wrong with her. Yeah, it was a big, big spiral. Medical medium, like I said, when he was talking about I really felt like he understood and gave a voice to people Mm. going through this. And Mm -hmm. how did that feel to feel validated for the first time? Like, Oh my God, somebody actually sees me and this is real. Yeah. And I, that felt amazing. And I think of something else that he said, or he writes about a lot is that, well, in the spiritual community, I'm sure, you know, we talk about, we attract everything and we're responsible for our lives. And Mm -hmm. so, oh, I manifested this illness. I manifested this because I wasn't positive enough. And that's a whole nother component. But he always says, you're not, no one would manifest this. You're not responsible for your illness. And that felt really good to me because I know people, again, I was judging myself and other people were too, but that, oh, well, if you're sick, that's because you caused it, you manifested it. I know there is a component with what you're thinking, but then, and then I would be in this, period of time where I was really conscious of my thoughts and really working hard to Abraham Hicks, right? Raise my vibration. And then I get so frustrated when it didn't work. I'm doing it wrong. Here's we go again. What's wrong with me? Right. Right. And I still have pain. So I didn't do it right. So I'm not good enough. There was a lot of that. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of judgment and self. Yeah. Like, how did you feel about your body through all this? Yeah, that's so interesting. I know you and I have talked about this before and I've talked about it when I do some Facebook lives because I'm a thin girl and I haven't had really weight issues, but I have had a lot of um, issues and I had a hard time loving my physical body because it caused so much pain. So I can relate not loving my body remember mm-hmm. working with coaches on you have to send your ankles love because I was having terrible nerve pain in my ankles and I really just will do anything not to feel that pain right and so then I just curl up on the couch because if I didn't walk then I didn't feel the pain and then I just isolated too a lot so and then my back would be hurting so I can really relate to having this dysfunctional relationship with my body and it would be interesting because when I get super stressed and not feeling well, I don't really eat as much because I'm in pain. I don't want to go into the kitchen and cook something. And so unfortunately in these episodes, sometimes I lose a few pounds. And then I remember Mm -hmm. someone saying to me at school one day, Oh, you look great. You lost weight. And I remember thinking I'm so sick right now, or I'm feeling so much pain, not really sick, but I'm health wise, not doing really well at all. Um, And it's interesting that that is what people notice, right? So 
Yeah, and it's, it's interesting to talk about because people wouldn't realize. I mean, I had so many issues with clothes and how I look like because I was having, and I know we talked about this too, I was having a ton of pain in my back. So mm -hmm. bras were so uncomfortable to wear. So I'm a teacher. I want to be professional, right? You got to wear a bra to work. So I figure out <laughs> a loose sports bra. And so the back was a whole issue. And then I'm feeling super frumpy. And then even when I pants, the pant buckle, so super tight, even if they weren't tight. So what I was doing for a long time is wearing big baggy clothes to make sure that things weren't, weren't, weren't hurting me. And then I just felt frumpy. And I know you can say, okay, don't feel frumpy. But when you're in physical pain, you're tired, you're run down, you feel like crap. And then you're wearing frumpy clothes and I'm wearing tennis shoes a lot. I would wear tennis shoes to work because they're comfortable and I'm mm -hmm. on my feet a lot. It just exacerbated this. I look like crap. And I'm thinking that, and then I'm looking at what I'm wearing to work or going out with friends and I'm in tennis shoes. It just, it sounds silly, but it just compiles and it really, it really did affect my self-esteem and my confidence. I'm trying to be feminine and feeling really not. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think it's important that we talk about this because um, I think that's kind of a, also a piece that maybe people don't like realize, like when you're in physical pain, you know, I'm guess, you know, I'm, I'm, I know when I'm not feeling well, I just want to be in comfy clothes, but then I don't always feel pretty, especially after several days of being in comfy clothes, like maybe not showering, like it, it does affect your, your well-being, you know, and your spirit. Like, how is it affecting you in relationships? Yeah, well, that was something that I tended to do. I tended to isolate because I'm in a mood and I'm the bad one. I'm in a mood. And then no one seems to understand because I'm the one in the mood and what's wrong with me. So I would isolate. And also what was so awful, like I said, is that these things would hurt. And if I was laying on the couch, things would hurt less, right? Because I'm not walking on my ankles. It did mm -hmm. feel better. And then the back too. So isolating, which... I've learned now is just a pattern and yeah. And then not wanting to be with people and then really not being present when I was with them too. I've learned better now how to be present and trying not to focus on it, even though it is, I tell people it's kind of like having teeth issues or having, um, having dental problems and, and having a migraine or something. I mean, you can, temporarily go out or do something, but it really is mind numbing. It really felt like I was white knuckling it. And so I wasn't enjoying going out with friends or I was trying to just to do the bare minimum. So it definitely took a toll. And now I know as a health coach and there's all these studies that are coming out how important community is and friendships. Mm -hmm. They talk about women, even if you are married or you're in a relationship that your best friend, I know a lot of people think that their, their partner is their best friend and that's fine, but you really do need your girl's best friends to uplift you, and that mm -hmm. can be super depressing. And they're talking about how community, I posted in my Facebook group, and I talk about it, or in my meetup group, sorry, about how important community is. And mm -hmm. it's not a luxury. I know some people are so busy that, oh, I can't go out with my friends. Like, that is super important to have your community. Yeah, so I definitely felt lonely. I felt alone. And how was it? And how was it affecting you in romantic relationships? Yeah. So if I was single, I don't probably think it was my best time to be dating. But I <laughs> only think too, it's not. There's never the perfect time, right? I remember thinking, well, 
this is where I am. So if I'm single and dating, it is this interesting, I don't want to come put my best foot forward and show someone really how. So yeah, I mean, I'm kind of trying to hide it. It's not completely like you don't want to go on dates in the beginning and be complaining or feel like a mess. So that was sort of that was challenging for me. And then I but I was dating definitely someone who was super understand. Like, I think when I met him, you know, things were as, I mean, it's kind of with me, I've had ups and downs. So I'd have flare ups, mm-hmm. I'd have periods of time when I'm good. So yeah, to have someone who can support you and that's really beautiful. That's really intimate. Obviously I want to be a hundred percent all the time, but I was dating someone who was super present and it's hard to know what to say. Right. So just being there and holding space. Right. I, I did uh, feel like burden sometimes. Yeah, because I don't want to have to be high maintenance and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and that's kind of what I want to like, um, you know, is, is like express is like how was that for you like it, feeling ill much of the time and being in a relationship with someone, or even when you weren't in a relationship with someone, like how did that show up for you? Yeah, so when I was in a relationship with someone, when things kind of got bad, it was a little bit up and down, and it didn't have back spasms and just complete, and it did feel really nice to have someone support you. I think mm-hmm. we all want that to be to be seen and supported, and actually, I just saw him a couple days ago, and I said, I don't know if you realize how good you are at just holding space and being there, and I he always just kind of knew the right thing to say, which is so sweet and not, it's not common for a lot of people because a lot of men just like to fix it. Right. And throw mm-hmm. solutions. And that's kind of how in my family, that's th- let's okay. More doctor's appointments, more s- solutions. So yeah, it was definitely hard for me when I was single and definitely dealing with this. I think I wasn't very interested in dating because I'm busy mm-hmm. with appointments and not feeling feminine and all these kind of things. So, right. Yeah. So how did you find support? Because um, it sounds like in some cases you didn't always feel very supported. Mm-hmm. So how did you, how did you find that support for yourself? Yeah, well, I think in the beginning I started with therapy, and mm-hmm. I'm sure there's great therapists. I know a lot of great therapists, and I know people had good results. But for me, it wasn't the right fit. I kind of just went week after week, and they told me I was doing great, but I didn't get specific tools and Mm-hmm. Um, I just, but I mean, I, I just, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about the person who's maybe listening to this right now, who's, who's where you were, right. Who's experiencing, um, you know, chronic health issues. Maybe they're not feeling supported by friends or family because they can't see it. Right. Like what advice would you give to someone who's in that place? Like how to find support to really feel held and feel like, okay, I'm not alone in this. Yeah. Well, once I finally hired coaches and got more of that support, that was huge. Mm-hmm. I never joined a support group, but I would definitely recommend that people do that because I remember maybe five, four years ago was when I first met people that actually had stuff that I did and they were thriving. And so that was great to do. So yeah, a support group, working with a coach. Now on Facebook, there's all these different Facebook groups and different communities. I think that's really important because you do feel so alone. So Mm -hmm. yeah, and I think now that I'm more comfortable sharing my story and telling my friends, 
the quality of my friendships has gotten better, right? And deeper and the people that you can count mm -hmm. on and asking for what you need too. Mm -hmm. But finding your tribe, we did a coaching group and finding other people that support you and sharing and yeah, definitely important. What was the kind of turning point for you? I know this is still a journey that you're on, you know, but like, what was the, the kind of, you know, was it like a, a, like a certain thing that really helped you move forward or was it uh, several things, you know, like different instances that really got you to where you are now? Like, how did you, how did you get through the, the main, you know, issues that you were dealing with, with pain and, and, you know, these things that were coming up? Yeah, it's definitely been a journey because there have been times, Lori Marie, where I thought I did it. I got over it. And I'm then good. I thought, Woo! Woo! I survived. I accomplished. It's over. And okay. I had the biggest expectation hangover, right? Because I'd get a flare up and I would get destroyed because I thought I beat this. It's all over. Medical medium, I think Anthony William was really good because I changed my diet and I had couple years there was a tennis supplement that I was taking but that was a big catalyst for me because inflammation there's a lot of inflammatory foods and that can cause inflammation so that was kind of a turning point and I think him too with taking control of your body and being more in power so I think that was a turning point that was about I'd have to guess maybe five years ago mm -hmm. I think being really passionate about what you're doing so for me doing, I did, we did this year long coaching program and really getting into my purpose and using mm -hmm. what I have learned to help others because I was teaching and I knew I wanted to leave teaching. And so finally diving into that, even though I was terrified, 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 big introvert. So terrified to do it. So I think doing that, and when you're in a coaching program, they talk about getting out of your comfort zone and doing scary mm -hmm. things. And so that was a big catalyst and things just lined up right then after that this new chiropractor who oh that's crap that that rheumatologist told you that you're small and you don't have like that's ridiculous like who would even believe that but i did oh you don't have big muscles because you're small crazy and so someone who's believes that you can heal right that was an immediate results right like my i'm not hurting so i'm on the right path mm -hmm. and yeah and then, right, like being with people who completely support you. And then another huge, huge thing for me, like I said, was this mind-body connection mm -hmm. and realizing the symptoms in the body, even though I rejected it, are stress, are stress, they're stress. And I think also too, a big thing for me, so I don't have kids and so many of my teacher friends are married and have kids and a family. So when I finish my day, I go home or do whatever I need to do. And a lot of my friends, they've got the two, three kids, it's got daycare, they got to pick up. They say, and I, I believe it, they have a second job when they get home, right? So I really resisted that this stuff can't be from stress. I mean, everyone has a full-time job. Or not every, you know, like that's life. People have full-time jobs. And my friends and people I see, most of the people at my work are doing way more than me. And I so did you find yourself, did you find yourself comparing your life to other people's lives? Uh -huh. Like, oh, they do more than even than I do. Why am I? stress why should i feel bad like was yeah. that kind of something that played out in your mind too completely yeah because i'm a teacher i mean our days are, we start earlier definitely 
So I'm up at six or 6.15, but a lot of my friends and a lot of nine to five, they're home at six, seven or five, they come home. So if I'm home at four o'clock, that's super easy. So this is not stress. I don't work that hard. I'm not working till seven. A lot of my friends, I mean, I work a little bit on the weekends, but it wasn't, yeah, you know, teaching is different. It's a different type of stress. I'm not having to get certain numbers for sales and things can be, since I'm in control of the timing with tests and different things, some things I have control on, on, on when to do it. So yeah, I really did resist and really re just did not accept that the things that I was affecting my body were stressed because I don't work as hard as other people. Long, you know, I have lawyer friends. They work long hours, a lot of them. So mm -hmm. And yeah, what would you say to somebody who's maybe in that place comparing their life to someone else? And like, cause I know like when I, I remember when I first was considering going and seeing a therapist, right? I was like telling myself like, oh, like that happened so long ago. Oh, somebody else has it worse. Oh, like I had all these reasons why I, I didn't deserve help, right? Like, what would you say to somebody who's in that place who's comparing their pain to someone else's pain? What would you say to them? I mean, not to, but that's such an easy thing to say. I would say, yeah, I mean, I get it. I emphasize, I 100% get it, but it's not about anybody else. And what I would say is that chronic pain, what I've learned now about chronic pain is that the body is miraculous. If they're dealing especially with chronic pain, that the body is miraculous at repairing itself. And we've bought into this society of, oh, I have a slipped disc or I have this bulge or my back or I was born with this weird thing and maybe a little bit and you can get that checked out. But if you have chronic pain, chronic pain, they're finding all these studies is with stress. So, and it was amazing for me to, I was dealing with some shoulder pain and I've had a lot of back pain and working with a coach when we focused on these things and I read this huge book, 400 pages, and I got it and I got it and I got it. And even last night I was thinking, oh my gosh, I haven't had any shoulder pain in months. So I would say sometimes you have to hear things a billion times before it gets processed, right? So if you're hearing this for the first time that you can heal and right, I mean, I would say don't compare yourself to other people. It's super normal and we do it. It's from an evolutionary perspective. Actually, it was really good when you were a caveman to compare yourself because you need to be in the, this is where I come from. When you're a caveman, you need to compare because you need to stay in the tribe. You need your family or your friends or that tribe or else you will not survive. So if you're not conforming, if you're not doing, if you're not bringing enough stuff to the tribe, you won't be in the tribe. So comparing comes from a very evolutionary perspective and it eons ago was great to keep you safe. But just again, hearing the message over and over, but just knowing that it's not going to help you in terms of your health and taking care of yourself. I think it's important to also say that your pain is valid and it, it's very much just as real for you as it is for anybody else. Mm -hmm. And to compare, you know, pain is pain, trauma is trauma, whether it's, you know, quote unquote severe or it's minor, it's still your experience of it and so it's all valid and i think it's important to just know that you have a right to get help and to be healthy and to be well as well as well yeah yeah no that's a great point and that's something i remember working with a coach and she went through 
she had to have heart surgery, open heart surgery. And I remember telling her, and especially, I think that's beautiful that you said, especially when you don't have a diagnosis and you are dealing with these mystery things, it's not, I'm not, and it's almost weird too, Lori Marie, it's like, once I did get the label, I did feel a shift. I have to be honest, a shift with how people would relate to me, how now it's valid. Oh, now I can give you sympathy and now I can be there for you, but before, not so much. So I really am glad. Thank you for bringing up that point. It really was an interesting shift. And well, and isn't that interesting? I think that's a very human thing too, to want to label things because then we know how to respond to it, right? It's like, oh, if we can put a label on it, then we can understand it. And then we can then decide how we want to react to it, which I think is so, you know, I get it. And like, if we can all be kinder and more empathetic and sympathetic, we would, you know, the world would be a better place. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was, I mean, it's sad to say, but it's super challenging. And I'm sure other people are dealing with this too, where mm -hmm. for years I didn't have a diagnosis, different things were thrown at me. And then when I got the fibromyalgia diagnosis, oh, okay. Now I understand. And now, and again, just to kind of repeat that, that's really heavy. That's, I'm the same, the symptoms I was telling you before, the symptoms that I have now, but because there's a label, there's more empathy. And isn't yeah. that? And, and I would think yeah. on some level, it would feel pretty hurtful, you know, if like friends or families or coworkers or whatever are, are not being uh, kind or empathetic or, you know, but now because I have a label, now you, you see me, now you get it, right? So like, um, and I, I would imagine, like, did you experience any feelings of like, well, am I making this up? Like, did you feel that way at all? Or, or feel like, do people think I'm crazy? Am I crazy? Like, where is this coming from? Since no doctors can explain it or give me an understanding of it. No, you know, my, my, you know, maybe people don't understand it or don't, you know, like what was going on in your head as far as like, what were you telling yourself? when you couldn't get any answers? Because I'm guessing there's people listening right now that maybe don't have answers either. And they're just sitting there like, what's wrong with me? Yeah, that was the biggest line that was going through my head, this negative self-talk. It was, what's wrong with me? And I didn't think I was making it up. I knew I had physical symptoms, but what's wrong with me that, what's wrong with me that I don't even know what's going on in my body? Because that sounds great. You know your body best. You know your body better than a doctor. You are control your body. Okay, great. I don't even know what I can do. Sometimes certain things would work. Sometimes they wouldn't. So I really felt out of control. And I didn't feel that, like I said, that they were made up, but I did feel I was manifesting it. What was that? I wasn't being positive enough. What was I? That was really hurtful. That was- Which is not, not helpful. Which is not helpful. And that's a huge thing right. I say to myself. It's not, even if it's a true thought, it's not helpful. And that's, and that it was interesting too, because when we talked about the label, but I was so firmly, when I got that label, I kind of had this little bit love hate relationship with it because I don't like the label and I didn't use, and I didn't, a lot of people didn't know it for years. I didn't tell a lot of people. And now I can't mm -hmm. even, should I share? Should I not? I don't have it. I did, but I was diagnosed. I don't want people to think I'm like, like I was diagnosed by five doctors with their four, four different doctors. So it's this love-hate relationship with the label, with mm -hmm. my school and getting medical. I had to get, I went on medical disability. And so 
it's all personal. They don't have to put, but like doctors, now that they know you have it, it's way easier for them to sign off and, oh, you have this and your levels. And so it was this, I don't want to use this word and it doesn't define me, but then sometimes it was easier mm -hmm. going through paperwork and district stuff. Mm -hmm. Again, it was confidential, but just, yeah, this is a serious thing now. Now it wasn't before maybe because we didn't know what it, there was no label. Right. I just think that's interesting. So I'm glad we're exploring mm -hmm. that a little bit. How did you shift out of that mindset of there's something wrong with me, right? Or the negative things that were playing out in your head during, uh, you know, some of your worst days? Yeah, I think honestly, it's really hard to coach yourself. So getting a coach, <laughs> right? And then she would say to me, I'm hearing this, there's something wrong with me, or it's coming out. It's the underlying same thing, but it's coming out when you say this, it comes out. When you say this, it comes out. It's coming out in different ways or when I'm vulnerable and I'm crying, it's coming out in different ways, but that's the underlying thing. Mm -hmm. That's not healthy. And it's so interesting how I'm so glad that when we talk about it now that that's not the it's like the um it's like the immediate downloads right like what comes without you even thinking like what's your what's the cause like when you're what your normal state is when it just comes without you even thinking like where your normal where your normal mind is kind of going at like without subconscious mm -hmm. I guess like what's running in the background like what's the normal things that are going through your head and so that was just kind of like the normal things that were going in through my head without paying any attention to it. So being conscious of that. And like we said, it's not a healthy thought and really getting clear on the things that I was saying to myself and how, how I was viewing myself, really the mm -hmm. inner work. It's really doing the inner work. It's really doing that hard stuff. It's really taking a look at your life and being responsible and understanding more of the mind body connection and how I can't emphasize enough what I've learned with chronic pain is that it's so stress it's stress and whether I tell you that I wasn't that stress it doesn't matter it's still it's like gravity I can tell you that it's not gravity it's still gravity <laughs> and so many autonomic um sorry autoimmune diseases mm -hmm. they're saying it's stress related I mean so that was the path for a while too when I didn't know what was wrong with me then I was like well this test might tell me this it's got to be autoimmune. There's got to be something that shows up eventually. It will kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so um, how have all these experiences you've gone through and all that you've learned and <laughs> all the people you've seen and experienced and how has all of it led you now to your purpose? Yeah. Well, now I'm a badass breathwork coach. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm so passionate about, I think the biggest thing too is that, and I work with, I think it's work amazing when I work with men too, because I see with my clients, men are taught, I was taught this too, not to cry, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. not that it was weak, but if other people are not comfortable holding space for you, then they don't want to do that. So as a breath, as a coach who can relate to all this emotional stuff, right? It's, giving validity, like you said, to the emotional pain and holding space for that and then moving mm -hmm. through it. Right. So it's like, okay, you went through this, this is, and you know, in, in the spiritual community too, Lori Marie, a lot of it is spiritual bypass. I, I've noticed that a lot. It's like, well, that was in your past. 
even if you're spiritual, that's in your past. Now you want to be a higher vibration. So don't be sad. And so the good vibes only, I want to bust that myth. I really want to hold space for people and, and let them know that it's okay to be sad, mad. It's okay to be angry. And we suppress all these emotions and because I went through so much and I suppressed so much and I didn't treat myself as well as I think I should have, I use that with clients and classes and really put my heart and soul. And I'm always in my classes talking about my experiences. Yeah, because these emotions, if they don't, if they're not released, if we don't feel them, they come out in other ways, right? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many ways it comes, comes out, but we know a lot of people don't want to feel these feelings. So there's addictions, all these addictions we could talk about anger, frustration, anxiety. In my case, it came out in terms of chronic pain. So Mm -hmm. it's such an interesting, there's no coincidences, right? But how I found breath work and that was a huge turning point in my life at the same time where I thought I was going to be health coaching, like I said, more with nutrition and it's still a big part of it, but now I'm like stress and feelings and emotions. And that's what I want to talk about. And yeah, people who have not felt supported, people who, especially men who just told not to cry, man up and just get over Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of men have gone through trauma too. And women have too. And, oh, that was in the past. Or, you know what? I already did two years of therapy. I should be over it. It's like what we judge and what we think how we should be over it. So really connecting. And how fast that journey should should take, Mm -hmm. right? You think like, think oh, like, well, I dealt with that. It should be over. I should be over it. Yeah, and me too. I thought I had gotten to the other side and then I went through another <laughs> flare. And I'm like, oh my God, again, what's the lesson now? I already have all these lessons. And <laughs> last time, but again, this last flare up that I had where it was this summer, I had another huge flare up. I got super burned out and adrenal fatigue and chronic fatigue and all this rest and For me personally, it was like this another layer of taking good care of myself and self-love and trusting, which I resisted a little bit that this was still my journey Mm because I was so excited to coach and be teaching outside of my job. So it's, it's constant. And it's like I said, even though we're talking about this now, just six months ago, I was in a different place where kind of Mm -hmm. fighting it. And I learned so much in this last this last six months. So, well, and I, I just want to kind of reflect back to you. Like, I see that in you, like you, you feel like the most lively I've ever seen you, you know? And so it's really beautiful to have witnessed your journey, uh, just in the three years I've been with you. Like you just feel very lively to me and feel, uh, very vibrant and healthy. And like, your light is shining bright girl. Oh, <laughs> like, how do you feel now about your body? Like, have you come to a place where you can appreciate her more and listen to her more? Yes, I definitely appreciate her more and love her more. And giving myself credit for how long or how far I've come is mm-hmm. good. But it's, it's a process. It's not, I wish I could say I'm 100% happy with everything, but it's it's okay to be in a process. But definitely things are changed and I'm definitely more, I keep a gratitude journal every day and it goes in there. Like, wow, I have so much energy. I was even a month ago, I was taking naps every day and having to rest and schedule my day. And this last month it's been different. So in my gratitude journal, wow, all my good energy today and I'm feeling good. Yeah, I definitely 
I'm very grateful. I'll just say I'm very grateful. And in the self-love, I think with breath work too, that's a huge thing that I pump. I mean, different breath work teachers, they talk about and share what works for them. And mm-hmm. so in my classes, it's a lot of, so I talk about the things that I work on and that I've had to work on. And so sometimes I'll reflect and think, okay, Jeannie, you just talked about this <laughs> every time for this week in your classes, you have to really ingrain it. And that's a way that conceptually we know things right but then the more we talk about it the more we integrate it right it I feel like uh well for one thing healing is never linear right and yeah at at some point we we I feel like we first become aware of it then we like know it right but then there is the embodiment of it yeah and I feel like that is uh, just like with anything a, a process and it's ongoing and it's a practice we don't have to always be perfect at it, but like you're on, you're on your way. You're well on your way, you know? And yeah. now you're, I love that you're, you've used everything you've gone through um, to now help others. And I'm guessing like, because of your journey, you just have like, so like you can hold space for someone and you know what it's like to have been there. And to have that compassion for people and what they're going through. Yeah. And I think life is really the only teacher that can give you that, you know, that experience. Like, what does it feel like for you to be able to like guide someone through a breathwork session now and to hold space for them? And if feelings come up or tears come up, like, how does that feel for you now to, to be able to hold space for someone? Yeah, it feels amazing. And I'm a feeler. I know you're a feeler too, right? So <laughs> yeah. I have sessions. So I've had private sessions that generally most people I say I would think would do an hour session. My colleagues who do breathwork, maybe an hour and a half. I've had sessions, quite a few private sessions that are three hours. <laughs> mm. And it's mm-hmm. because in the beginning, I do a thorough job of explaining things, but generally it should be about an hour and a half. But it's just this big love fest after people are so happy and they're expressing emotions. Many times people tell me that they've never told this to anyone or they've never talked about these things. And that is the biggest honor to meet someone for the very first time. And within two hours, they're telling you some very vulnerable things and they feel great and they trust you. The fact that people trust me and I can hold space, it is the best. I've told people that I've had these sessions excuse me. And people say, that's a really long time. You should kick them out or, you know, they don't know. And I'm like, oh, you have no idea. This is like the yumminess. This is the juiciness to connect with someone authentically from the heart, to have this heart to heart connection. Yeah. I mean, it's addicting. I will say (laughs) I'm addicted to helping people and just, I love it. And even when I do a breathwork class, it's not as intimate, but I always, community is really important to me. Intimacy And so I always have closing circles and I invite people to talk about it with me, but I just get filled up when I teach classes as well, or people email me. And the funny thing is, is that you never, this is what's so cool. And it it reminds me all the time not to have expectations is sometimes I get different reactions than what I expect. So some people Mm -hmm. do cry in a session or a class and some people don't, and that's fine. So maybe during a session, they're not crying. Okay. And no emotions. And I think, okay, some people have different experiences. And then they tell me, 
oh my gosh, it was life-changing. I loved it. That <laughs> happened in my last class. I had someone, I didn't think she was really enjoying it and she seemed a little uncomfortable. She got up a little bit. And then after she told me she had this great experience. So, I mean, I can see how get, I'm getting all excited and lit up just talking about it, but it is so fulfilling. It really is fulfilling. I remember we talked a lot. I think we're the first person that ever had used those words, using your pain into purpose. I fell in love with that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, and I think what the common thread is too, is we're all going through these things. So yeah. someone else's journey might be, they had something horrible happened or they had a different health journey or different, but we're all connected. And I think that's what's attractive about the kind of work that I do is that holding space for somebody else, right? Just being there for them. And that's what we do as coaches too. We're not giving advice and telling people what to do, but just a safe place. And the fact that through a breathing process, like I said, it's very quick. We're not using drugs. We're not doing anything. Right. Scary. There's no, I mean, there's little minimal side effects during the session. There's no like after or something that's going to be scary. So it's just life fulfilling. It's amazing. <laughs> I can tell just by the way you light up. Like, would you say that, you know, now being that you are walking, talking, living your purpose, that yeah. it, it has also been healing for you? Oh, completely. Yeah. Being in my purpose. I mean, I will be completely honest though. It was very scary for me to leave my job. It was after college, the only thing I had ever done, steady paycheck every month as a teacher, never changed because I'm not in sales. I'm not worried about, so it was the same paycheck. And leaving, it took a lot. That's why I say, like, I get it. It's not like you have, a lot of times it's, you hear something, you're not ready to hear it. You have to hear it again. You have to hear it again. Mm -hmm. Have you ever read a book? This happened to me. I read a book years ago, picked it up recently. Wow. All these things I had not highlighted that were coming up to me, that were resonating with me. And so we just, every time we grow and we're, we're learning and new things are coming available to us. So, yeah, so working with people and realizing that it's not going to be just one time they hear something. Like, you know, when you and I are at a place where we understand something, we know it, we want to tell them, and then, but I'm the perfect case where <laughs> getting into my purpose, there was, it was a process for me. So I understand the process and the resistance of change and personal growth and up-leveling. So it needs to be nurtured, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, like, I, I have leapt several times in my life now and I, I get I get that that scariness of like I don't know what's next I don't know if I will be supported I don't know I don't know I don't know right and I think that's any change or transformation it's like you don't know what's going to happen and so there's a lot of resistance that can come up in that and um but as someone who has leapt and I'm sure you can attest to this too like what has it been like now that you have left and you took that leap, you know, you went from something that was like more secure, right. Super, that was like, like steady your thing ever. Yes. Right. Ever to something that's not as secure. Like how, how was that transition for you? Because I think there's this misconception. I think a lot of times people think like, 
oh, um, you know, maybe I want to leave my nine to five and that's super scary, but I can't. And like, so people like don't follow their hearts and their, their purpose and their passion because of that. Like, what would you say to someone who's maybe like on that verge or on that edge? And I know there's many ways to do it too, right? Like you can go with a no parachute and just be like, I'm going to jump and we'll see what happens. That's kind of how I roll. Um, or you maybe have some savings or you have, you know, you do work a job until you're, you know, feeling like, okay, now is the time, right? Like what, what was that transition like for you? I think I'm asking way too many questions at once here, <laughs> but like, what can you, how was that for you to, to make that leap? And what oh, yeah. would you say to someone yeah. who's maybe thinking of leaping themselves? Yeah, well, I would definitely say that it really does depend on, in terms of how you do it, what your financial situation is. Cause I would never hopefully say to someone, Oh, just leap, just leap, just leave. You're going to be fine. Trust the universe. Like, really like it might be that you need to have a certain amount per month coming in or a little bit in your savings. So mm -hmm. I can't say that everyone's situation is the same. And like with me too, the reason I had a lot of fear with leaving is because I had a lot of health expenses still. And I had a lot of my treatments that I was doing was alternative and they weren't covered by insurance. So that was a big thing for me. So I always, it was funny because I've been hearing, Oh, jump in the, and the net will appear and take the leap. And I really, truly believe it doesn't work for me. It works for everybody else. And they say that you can't, I mean, there's so many things I could say about this. I just want to know that when you talk about it afterwards, yeah, I think this is good to talk about because people might not think that it was such a big deal, right? Like, oh, she just left her job and I was like, it was right. a big, big thing for me. And when we say that teaching is safe, I want to say it's probably the safest job I had I have a pension and I have tenure and a lot of my friends are in it for their whole lives. And people thought it was crazy. Why would you ever leave? And I thought that too. And I think even safety most of my friends that I teach with, they're married. And so safety with that and, and I'm not, so it's, it's all by myself. So so crazy because when I look back and the things that when I, <laughs> when I left and then the things that transpired after, wow, that was amazing. The things that opportunities that were given to me and experiences that it's true. I mean, I can't convince anybody else. Just do it. And the net will appear. I definitely think you have to have your not waiting forever, but you know, talking to your financial person or going over the numbers. You need to be aware of your numbers. Like you need to know your financial situation. And I think that's a big thing. Like I literally went right. through feeling this pain in my stomach, this such uncomfortableness in my stomach and going through my finances of what is this? What is that? What can I do? And yeah, there was a part-time like working part-time so I can keep my health benefits and I can feel more secure because it was a big shift. So I don't think it looks the same for everyone. I was actually thinking of doing part-time with my job. So it would be an easier transition and it didn't work out. It didn't happen, which is yeah. obviously what was supposed to happen, but that might be what a person needs to do in the beginning. So it might not be, or it might be they're, they're doing freelance. So they're doing consulting on the side. Mm -hmm. But I think also too, with me, because I was stuffing my purpose, I was not fully embracing it. I wasn't Right. Because the problem with me is that I was working full time. I'd come home and I had started my business, but I'm coming home tired. 
and I wasn't getting very far. And so I knew I had to make this my focus and make this my priority. So I think just hearing people talk about when you're able to live your purpose, you're going to have more energy and you're going to have, and it really is, my coach talks about it now, it's putting your time, I'm viewing my time is more valuable than money right now. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. that is such a change from how I used to be. And it's an understanding that what we believe about money and our relationship with money is a belief and we can work mm-hmm. on that. So if you are struggling with, oh, I couldn't, I could never do that. And again, I don't have kids, so that's, that's different. And I honor that and respect that. So everyone is different. But if we're having these thoughts that I couldn't do this, it won't work for me, it works for you because X, Y, Z, those are all beliefs. We can shift those beliefs. Yeah. And our relationship with money, we can shift too. And I had a lot of beliefs about money. You have to work hard for money. It's not, you can't, I didn't have anyone in my family who's an entrepreneur, nobody. So to me, this was crazy town. You don't have who doesn't have a job? Nine to it five, couldn't like be easy and it couldn't be fun. And I couldn't, but that's the funniest part is like the universe, spirit, God, whatever you believe, like they don't want us to be broke. They don't want us to be in a job we hate. They don't want us to be miserable. They want us lit up and excited and full of possibility and full of life. And so it, it's so funny. I have a feeling like, you know, when it's time to cross over this, just whole new awareness of like how easy life really is, but how hard we make it as humans is going to be revealed. And I think it's, you know, I think it's supposed to be fun and it's supposed to light us up and it's supposed to be healing and it's supposed to be, you know, uh, really uh, a gift that we were given that we're meant to share. Right. And so I love that you took that leap and you said yes, and you went after it anyway. And I've been along during that whole process and I, I've seen how challenging it is and I, I get it. And, and I'm just like so proud of you and all the work that you've done to get here. Cause I saw the, the leap, right. I was there along the way and I saw how that happened. And, um, so it's really cool to see you like so excited and so lit up by what you're doing now and what you're creating. Cause I've seen, I've seen Jeannie in the down parts too, yeah. right? Like, so, um, it's really cool to see how your path has unfolded and where you are now. Like, and I, I'm, I can't even imagine, like, actually I probably could if I tuned in, but I can imagine like five years from now, what is going to be possible for you, you know, and how you're, you're helping. And it's just, it's really, really fun to, to, to see. Yeah. And I think that's such a beautiful point to make too, is it isn't, it's funny when we talk about where we are, because now I'm doing great and it's amazing. And I thank you for everything that you just said with the beauty. And it, it's so great. That's why these stories are so amazing that to show people the other side and, and what you went through. And I think something that just came up when you were talking about that is a big portion. I think you'd asked me before, what was the big turnaround? And I think honestly, it's really being comfortable in the uncomfortable, being comfortable and accepting discomfort. So knowing that discomfort is kind of where it's at when you do a big change. No one likes, I mean, most people don't like change. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. It's new. And just knowing, leaning into that. And that's with breath work too, leaning into the discomfort. And yeah, that has been a bit, 
So when I'm doing these breathwork classes and I think about, like I said, oh crap, that's, I got to take my own advice on this. So yeah, moving <laughs> through, like I hate when I'm like scared to do something and then I think, oh God, you just talked about this last night. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that so how I'm it always is? Out. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's been, it's been, a, I've had a journey, that's for sure. So. Well, I, I, I love that I've been able to be part of that journey oh, and to too. witness it. And um, Jeannie, I'd love for you to share now, like how can people find you? Sure. So on Facebook and, and, and Instagram, I'm at Jeannie Colwin Coaching. So I'll spell that really slow. It's J-E-A-N-N-I-E and it's K-U-L-W-I-N coaching. So at Jeannie Colwin coaching, that's Facebook and Instagram. And then I have a beautiful website, JeannieColwin.com. <laughs> and again, J-E-A-N-N-I-E-K-U-L-W-I-N. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And we had talked about Jeannie was generous, generous enough to have an offer for you guys. So for anyone listening who happens to be in the LA area or wants to be go to the LA area. Um, Jeannie, share with them what you want to give them. Yeah, well, it's cool because I was talking to some people and they said, Jeannie, you should go on tour. So even if you're not in LA, you can reach out. I'll be going on tour to San Diego, but generally I do classes in the LA area and I have about three a month in different locations. Yeah. So if you just send me an email or a DM or something, let me know that you heard me or you found me through this podcast and I can give you a link so that you can have a class for 50% off and awesome. be great for people to come. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And it truly is a gift. So, um, I hope that anyone listening can, can go and support Jeannie and also support themselves in getting an amazing breathwork session with her. Um, Jeannie, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your story. And, um, I'm, I'm just always excited every time I get to connect with you and I'm excited for the work you're doing and I just love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. Oh, I wanted to share too that if people don't live in LA, also they could contact me and we can do Skype sessions or a Zoom call for the breath work. And also I do a lot of coaching remotely and you can work with me and you don't have to be living in LA. So if you want, are interested in that, you can also reach out to me and we can have a a free discovery call to see if we're a fit. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, honey. Uh, thank you for being here. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Oh my gosh. It's been such an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Your time is valuable and we're grateful you're here. Please be sure to help us share the message of healing. And if you're ready to go on your self-love journey and you're in need of support, be sure to head on over to lauriemarie.com slash self-love club and get started in adding more love in your life and loving the skin you're in. <laughs>